Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 105 of the Book Cougars, two middle-aged women on the hunt for a good read. I'm Emily. And I'm Chris. We are here with our little allergy selves. <laughs> <laughs> little rasp in our voices. The allergies are off the charts again here in Connecticut. Like, So when I take the dogs for a walk at night, it's pea soup, you know, but it's actually pollen. Yeah. Because I have a little headlamp that I wear, you know, so my hands are free. And it, it's just crazy how much pollen is out there, but we will survive. We will. You guys will just listen to us, you know, clear our throats, etc. So. <laughs> but we have a big thank you to our buddy Sue. Who is a blogger. She blogs at Book by Book. And you've heard us talk about her before. She is the one who always hosts the Big Book Summer Reading Challenge that we're both doing this year. And at least I say I am. <laughs> yeah, I haven't started mine yet either, but we wanted to give Sue a big thank you. She's our newest Patreon donor. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sue. Thanks, we really Sue. appreciate it. We sure do. We also want to remind people of our 14th read-along. We chose Convenience Store Woman by Sayaka Murata, translated by Ginny Tapley Takamori. Super excited about this book. Yeah, I need to get my copy. But yeah, we'll be talking about that book in July. Right. We'll be talking, we'll be recording it July 31st. The episode airs August 4th. So get in there, get reading, conversate with us on our Goodreads page. We really love to talk about the book as people are reading it. Even if you just bought it, we're excited. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And, and we'll be doing another Zoom conversation as well in late July. So Stay tuned for a date on that, and the best way to get notification is to sign up for our Book Cougars newsletter, and uh, that goes out once a month, and we always have dates and upcoming things in there. Right. Sometimes even a little early news, Book Cougar news, hot off the news presses. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you currently reading, Chris? Oh my gosh, I'm currently reading a couple a few books to be technical i'm reading tuesday mooney talks to ghosts that's by kate raccooli i think that's how you pronounce her last name it's r-a-c-c-u-l-i this is a book i'm reading via hoopla so i'm reading it on my cell phone because i don't have an, an ipad and i don't really like to read on my laptop since i'm looking at that thing all day long for work usually I'm really enjoying the story. I have to say it's kind of challenging for me to read on my iPhone because like the text has to be big enough for me to see comfortably. So I'm like constantly, you know, swiping, swiping, swiping. Um, <laughs> but I'm enjoying the story a lot. It's I was looking for something like just fun and different to read. And this one, it's kind of like a mystery type fantasy novel. This eccentric wealthy man who is really into to Edgar Allan Poe and gothic things in that tradition and collecting weird, interesting, occult-related items dies in the middle of this fundraiser. And the main character works as a researcher for, I guess it's Boston General Hospital. This story takes place in Boston. She works as a researcher researching donors. <laughs> so I was totally yeah. thinking about you when I was reading this, <laughs> being in the philanthropy world. And she gets embroiled in this game that the dead man had set up for after he dies. And the winner will get his fortune, which is so huge, it's incalculable. Wow. Incalculable, Yeah. So, yeah. and there's a wealthy family 
who's involved in this, who were neighbors of the deceased man on Nantucket. He built this atrocity next to their big mansion, which supposedly started a feud, at least between um, the two patriarchs. So it involves the sons of the family, and it's just a fun caper so far. You know, like a lot of Edgar Allan Poe stuff, who was born in Boston. So there's fun little details like that you know Poe's parents were actors and they met during a run of King Lear so there's you know those are some of the clues that you have to figure out so (laughs) right now I'm about I think I'm about 70% of the way through the book and it it is a little it's like I said it's hard to tell if the book itself is dragging in parts for me or whether it's just reading it on my cell phone that's kind of yeah. making it a bit of a challenge. Um, but it's fun. There's also a young neighbor next door. who Tuesday is the, the main protagonist. It's a woman. And so she tutors the girl next door, and the girl next door is kind of involved. And all of the main characters have some type of loss in their life, hmm. um, which is a, a thread that runs through and, and just different ways of coping with that loss. Hmm. So, wow, so much to talk about. That's yeah, so interesting. It's, I mean, it's, first of all, the reading on your phone thing, I'm impressed <laughs> because I don't know if I could do that, even though you do have a newer phone, so it's a little bit larger. But I recently even just found I had made the font on my Kindle bigger just because my eyes were tired. Mm-hmm. And the next day I woke up and my thumb was cramping and I realized <laughs> it was from like swiping and swiping and swiping. You yeah. Know? <laughs> But, well, that world, it's so funny, that world of philanthropy of, um, you know, people leaving their fortunes to an organization. There's something, you know, on the one hand, wonderful about it, but it can also be a little bit gross sometimes. You know, like the way you can hear people in development offices talk about it, it's a little bit morbid. Yeah. I shouldn't say gross, it's morbid. That's probably a better word for it. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, this definitely shows that side of, like, the detail that they go into research people. And then the researchers pass it on to the, you know, face-to-face people who can schmooze and who can, you know, add in all those things to make them feel warm and fuzzy when they're at the fundraiser or doing, you know, one-on-one meeting. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, how fun. Yeah, Yeah. so it's cool. And there's a lot of diversity, gay, uh, African-American, good-feeling kind of book when it comes to diversity. So, again, that's Tuesday Mooney Talks to Ghosts by Kate Rakuli. I'm reading Last Day by Luann Rice. Luann's a local author. Yeah. She lives in Old Lyme, Connecticut. And it's um this is crime fiction, and it does take place in the Old Lyme area. So it's very familiar in that way as I'm reading it. But I have to say that I started it. I've been having a really hard time reading, and I have been starting and stopping books like you wouldn't believe, which is so out of character for me. But I thought, oh, this is what I need. I need like a, you know, kind of a a crime fiction page turner, maybe fingers crossed, a little courtroom drama in there or something. (laughs) But the first chapter is so gross. I mean, not gross. That's a bad word for it. It's, (laughs) It's violent. That's a better word. It's violent. And so this sister is trying to get in touch with her pregnant sister. She's been calling and calling for three days. They usually talk every day, if not multiple times a day. So this is so out of character. They arrive at the house with police. The sister arrives at the house with police. They break in to find her pregnant sister 
murdered very violently in her bedroom. Mm. And I was kind of, I was reading it on the couch with Jim and I kind of turned to him. I was like, I don't think I can do this. (laughs) And he who reads like you, I mean, he's not afraid of a little blood splatter. He was like, well, maybe that, you know, they'll get that part over with. And then the rest of the book (laughs) will be really interesting. And I was like, okay. And I keep turning the pages and it's just like chapter three. They're still kind of in that scene. Uh And I preface this by saying my cousin, at the time of my reading, this was like expecting to go into labor at any second. She's now had the baby. And I just thought, I just don't, I don't want to read about a murdered pregnant lady. Right, yeah. <laughs> so I put it down, but I am still reading it and I plan to pick it back up. So anyway, that's kind of part of it. But these two sisters also had a tragedy 20 years prior where they were held kind of hostage and a piece of very famous family art was stolen called Moonlight. And so when they walk into the bedroom of now 20 years later of the sister's bedroom, who's been murdered, that piece of art, which obviously we don't know the history yet of how they got it back, has been cut out of its frame Mm -hmm. and stolen. So there she is dead and the artwork is missing. Okay. Yes. Wow. Okay. That's called Last Day by Luann Rice. Uh, The other book I'm reading is How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. Ann Kingman put out a list of books that she recommended dealing with racism in America. And this was one on it. And the book had caught my eye before. And I thought, okay, I'm, I'm getting it for sure. So I... Like you, I'm having a hard time reading, just staying focused on things. But I am, when I'm up to chapter five at this point, and what he's doing so far, I should say he's a he's a history professor. So he does go into a little bit of the history of racism and how it developed and, you know, issues in the, the United States. And what he's talking about with racism or you know how to be anti-racist I'll just read this this couple sentences because I think it's really a great point and kind of what he's going after and it's in a chapter called definitions so an anti-racist for him is one who is supporting an anti-racist policy through their actions or expressing an anti-racist idea and a racist is one who is supporting a racist policy through their actions or inaction or expressing a racist idea. So the anti-racist concept is really about policy. And so this is um, from page 19. I'll just read. We all have the power to discriminate. Only an exclusive few have the power to make policy. Focusing on racial discrimination takes our eyes off the central agents of racism. Racist policy and racist policy makers are what I call racist power. Mm. So it really is going after those policies. And I think like that is so what we're seeing right now in America. He's a really good writer and I look forward to reading more. I think what I need to do is what we were doing with other nonfiction is just commit to reading a chapter a day. Yeah, that seems like a good idea because I imagine, too, you need to read it and then kind of put it down and be thoughtful about it or maybe even write about it or something because it's a lot to digest. Uh, It really is. And it's one of the, uh, you know, I I have underlinings and tabs and I do have writing in the margin. It's a really thought provoking book. And one that, you know, if you're a white person who hasn't thought 
about racism and racial discrimination, you know, you're definitely going to need to take time to sit and reflect and think. Yeah, that's great. I'm so glad you're reading it. I have seen that on so many lists that are going around. So maybe I'll borrow it from you when you're done. Yeah, if you can handle all my underlinings. <laughs> no, I like that. I like it. It's good. <laughs> so again, that was How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. I'm reading My Grandmother's Hands, Racialized Trauma and the Pathway to Mending Our Hearts and Bodies by Resma Menachem. I listened to a podcast with Resma that I'll talk about in our Biblio adventures. And um, I was so taken by him. And then when I found out that he wrote a book, I was like, okie dokie, that's a no brainer, you know. (laughs) And what he really talks about is a body centered understanding of white supremacy. And he's a licensed social worker. And so he talks a lot about what I talked about last episode when I was talking about urban trauma and how so much of that resides within our body and it's passed on from generation to generation. Resma really talks about this notion of white body supremacy, that we really as a society in the United States view the white person as the idealized person mm-hmm. and that it's so ingrained in our society that we don't necessarily recognize it. And it's really important to understand it before we can move on to heal our own trauma and what resides in our own body. And so an example, this isn't his example, but once now that I'm reading the book, an example is, you know, like floating around yesterday on the interwebs was this front page headline or front page of a newspaper. And there was a white man who had been accused of homicide. And that article was really small and the picture of the white man was really small and then kind of superimposed and really big was an article about a black man who had burgled a car Mm. and it was huge and the picture of the black man was huge wow you know and so it's how we we set up our vision of black and white and these are images that we're seeing all the time so it's you know like the black is bad in this particular sample, the black man did something so much worse than the white man, which was so the opposite, right? White man killed somebody. Right. So, um, or I should say allegedly killed somebody. I'm not using any names. Well, that's just a great example. Yeah. Already. Like like just looking at that, how that front page, like what would a potential jury think Mm -hmm. of both cases just knowing that one is getting so much more weight right when it was the lesser crime yeah and so I think it's something you know um, you and I have talked a lot off mic about how to even talk about what's happening in the United States right now and you know we talk about books here and so we're very committed to maintain that as part of our conversation. Certainly, you know, we don't want people to think we're not paying attention to what's happening in the greater world right now, because we are. But how both of us tend to also manage our thoughts and our feelings and to learn is through books. Right. And so I've been really trying to understand my focus has been a lot on trauma, because I feel like we are a traumatized society. We've been living with trauma of slavery 
in our country, in the United States, particularly for years, but in other countries as well. We have a different version of slavery here than in other countries. But dominance of people through race and religion, etc., is a worldwide problem. And so I've been very focused on understanding trauma. And I think that all of us have trauma within us, whether we're white, black, you know, brown, it doesn't really matter. The levels of our trauma and where it comes from are different. So I've been really, I'm very fascinated by what Resma is talking about here and how, you know, really we have to understand generationally the traumas that are passed on so that we can try to start healing the problems in our country and in our world. And the grandmother, the reason it's titled grandmother is because his grandmother was a slave, you know, or had slave heritage. So he talks a lot about that as well. I'm not very deep into the book. I too am trying to read it slowly. Again, it's called My Grandmother's Hands, Racialized Trauma and the Pathway to Mending Our Hearts and Bodies by Resma Manikam. All right. Well, the last book I'm currently reading is an audio book through Libro FM. It's My Sister, the Serial Killer by Oyinkan Braithwaite. And it's read by Ed Aparo Aduye. I'm probably butchering her last name. A-D-U-Y-E. She's an actress. And oh my gosh, she does such a brilliant job reading this audio book. You know, our buddy John, the mystery man, John Valeri, recommended this book on episode 72 and ever since then it's been on my mind so when I was scrolling through for an audiobook to listen to um, this one totally caught my eye so it's about a woman Cara Day who is the older sister of Ayula Ayula is the serial killer so Mm. it starts off right away bang Cara Day cleaning up her sister's third dead boyfriend and you know what like right you know you don't well, laughing that's I terrible. know you don't want to laugh but you do like I mean this is considered crime fiction but it's also such humor at the same time and also so heartfelt like I immediately felt for Cara Day the the older sister who's cleaning up her little sister's quote messes you know she's the responsible one in the family she's also not as you know, pretty, um, as her younger sister, Iola is the, you know, the standard representation of beauty, hourglass figure, great breasts, luscious lips, all that stuff. And Corday does not have that, but she's successful in her work. She's a nurse. She's probably going to be promoted to head nurse soon. And she has a crush on one of the doctors. So she always wants to keep her little sister away from work. And her little sister shows up at work one day. And of course, there's a connection between her, the little sister, and the crush. So oh. now I imagine this is where I am. I'm just like, the audiobook is just a little bit over four hours. And I'm just about a, a little bit over an hour into it. So I can imagine what's going to happen now is trying to save the doctor from the clutches of the little sister, you know. So it's that kind of classic story of the beautiful girl who is evil and rotten on the inside. Yeah. You know, but it's really fascinating too that the girls, the sisters, I should say, both live with their mom. The dad is dead and they're so happy about that because he was an abusive, controlling, not a good man. Mm. And he had this knife, this nine inch knife that was beautiful that he would bring out to show to people. And that is the knife that Aola is using to kill 
her boyfriend with. At one point, Corday reflects on the item. Like, it can it be... Because she's trying to figure out her sister. Like, why is her sister doing these things? And she wonders at one point if the item has the power to create these things, to make these things happen. You know, so there, it's not like magical realism, I'm, mm-hmm. any, nothing like that. But it does make you wonder because like the knife comes from her father who was such a abusive man that you wonder too, like... Well, there's your example of generational trauma right oh, there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, and uh, you know, so the book uh, is set in Lagos, Nigeria. And um, that's where Braithwaite is from originally. And Adie, who narrates a book, that's her heritage as well, Nigeria. So I'm not sure if that's how, you know, she nails all the the accents and everything. And it's really um, a lot of, you know, reflection on society or commentary on society, as most mystery thrillers are, or mysteries especially. You know, because there's one scene where Corday gets pulled over, or she's not even pulled over, she's in a traffic jam and this you know, law enforcement person comes up to her and she moves away from her educated, normal way of speaking Mm. to sound less educated Mm. because she knows that that's going to be less intimidating for the male law enforcement figure to deal with a woman who doesn't sound educated, which I thought was really fascinating. And I would say this book appears on a lot of the lists of books we should be reading right now to understand racism. So that's a perfect example, mm-hmm. right, of how people have to change their behaviors based on their gender and their race and things like right. that. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so it's really an excellent audio book. And I, I'm not sure how it would read as a book book. I would definitely recommend it as an audio book, though. Braithwaite won an award or she was listed in some competition she was in as one of the top 10 spoken word performers. So you can kind of see how that has come across in her writing, too. It's very, it's just very spoken word to listen to it as well. Ooh, I'm going to put that on my list. Yeah, I'm yeah. To, yeah, I've, so I've heard nothing but good things about that book. Yeah, so to, again, that's My Sister, The Serial Killer by Oyakon Braithwaite. What, Emily Fine, have you just read? I just read literally like hot off the earbuds. I don't know how you even say it. I finished The Dance of Anger, A Woman's Guide to Changing the Patterns of Intimate Relationships by Harriet Lerner. I too used Libro FM to listen to this book. For those of you who maybe don't know, we are now affiliates of Libro FM. I'm really enjoying using their service. And if you're interested in using it, if you sign up at Libro.fm and enter the promo code BookCougars, you get three months for the price of one. Yeah, it's a good deal. And BookCougars is one word, just so you know, Mm -hmm. all lowercase. Yeah, I think that's a great deal. I have used all of the three major audiobook services. And Libro.fm, what sets them apart is that when you sign up, you can choose what independent bookstore you want part of your sales to go to. So it is an audiobook platform that supports independent booksellers. Right, which is why we're super excited to be affiliated with them. Yeah, because it's a great way to keep those audiobooks coming and also support independent bookstores. You can also choose the option for all of your purchases to go to the general independent bookseller pool. 
right? Because they can demarcate that. Um, and I should note today we're recording on Juneteenth, which is the celebration of the end of slavery in America. And on this day, and granted, this is going to be passed, but we just really love that the company is doing this. 100% of all of the audiobook purchases today, June 19th, will be going towards the Black-owned bookstores that are participating in their program. So we just really like to support a company that is doing such good things. I mean, one of the things that we can do to help right now is spend our money in ways that we think is benefiting society. And Mm -hmm. that is something I definitely feel good about with Libro FM. Again, it's Libro.fm and you can enter the promo code book cougars. You can also go to our show notes and there's a link that takes you directly to the promotion. So you don't have to really enter anything. You just have to click a button. Yeah. So it's all, to do that too. it's all populated for you already. So let us know what audiobooks you're excited about. Yeah. You know, it's it, audiobooks. They're not all created equally. I don't think, you know, there are some like this, my sister, the serial killer, which is fantastic. You know, I think about True Grits. Yeah. Remember that? And that, yeah. oh my God, what's the author's name? I can't think of her name. The Goldfish it was him. Huh? Charles Portis. No, right? but the audiobook narrator was oh. the woman who wrote The Goldfinch. Oh, Donna Tart. Donna Tart, right. Oh my oh. gosh. Sorry, Donna Tart. But yeah, she read it. And, you know, she had such a family history with that book and all of Portis's writing for the most part. And, you know, when you have an audiobook that is just such a great match with the narrator, it's just a magical experience. Well, part of the reason that I started to listen to The Dance of Anger is twofold. One I'll talk about in our Biblio Adventure segment, but I've been, you know, as a as a mother and just a person in relationship with our family and our friends, you know, you go through different times in your life and different periods where you're interacting with people differently. You know, I think when I was talking about Friends and Strangers by J. Courtney Sullivan, I was talking about how I had this weird realization that it reminded me of this period of time when I was really lonely and this certain friendship came in for me that was really important at that time. And I've had, not to get too personal, but I've recently had an experience with my son where it's like, you know, he's entering a new phase of his life. And I realized, wow, we're interacting in a way that's causing me to reevaluate the way that I'm communicating with him and I want to understand it. And one of the things, you know, that middle age helps you understand is you tend to repeat patterns, you know, and you're the common denominator. So I definitely want to understand how I'm communicating with people and how I can communicate better. And during the process of all this, I started to get really angry. And I thought, uh oh, <laughs> like, I, I mean, I'm a big believer in anger, but I feel like you have to understand it and then try to figure out the root of the, of what's troubling you. And for me, a lot of times it's because I can't say what I need to say. Mm-hmm. And that's what actually makes me angry. And so trying to figure out how I can better communicate my needs and my wants and all of that is helpful to me. Yeah. So I was so steeped in anger <laughs> that I heard um, a podcast with the author, Harriet Lerner, and I was like, oh, I need to listen to this book. I've heard about it for years. 
And so I downloaded it on Libro FM right away and just dug in. And the, over the course of the last week, I've been really steeped in it. And it's really interesting. And, you know, a couple of the takeaways I'll share with people is that she made this statement that just literally I was driving and it almost made me just put on the brakes and pull over because she said, children are the carriers of whatever has been left unresolved from generations before. That's intense. So intense. I mean, it's intense as a as a daughter. It's intense as a mother. It's intense as just a person in society, because think about that. Like every person you're coming into contact with has some of this. Absolutely. I want to do some more thinking about that. And then she also talked a lot about triangular communication, which I was raised in a family that was steeped in that. And the thing that she talked about that I thought was so interesting is that the person who is triangulating, so like if your sister picks up the phone and calls to talk to you about mom or talk to you about another sibling, it's actually reducing their anxiety Mm -hmm. because they don't have to be talking to the person that they're having an issue with, right? Yeah, right. And And she uses examples of this in, you know, the office place too. It's not just family related. But yet that's not what it does to the person that they're picking up the phone calling. Right. It does not reduce your anxiety. No, it it does not at all. And it, I could talk for hours about this. (laughs) You and me both. (laughs) So I just, that one really gave me pause because I've always thought about it as like, I know in narcissistic relationships, there's a lot of triangulation and that has a lot to do with kind of like, power and judgment and commanding the way that communication is going to flow. But this was more just about like that person is, they're kind of taking the easy way out. Like it's really hard to talk to someone and confront issues that you have with each other and use words where you feel like you can get, you can understand each other, but how easy it is, is it to pick up the phone and talk to someone else and like do a brain dump. Right. Exactly. And (laughs) walk away from the, From the mini explosion you just set off. Right. Yeah. So she talks about a lot of different things. She gives exercises. She gives examples, which I always love, you know, of real life cases of things. I finished it this morning. I plan to go back to chapter one and start it right over again and just listen and listen and listen. So um, again, it's called The Dance of Anger, A Woman's Guide to Changing the Patterns of Intimate Relationships. And that's by Dr. Harriet Lerner. Great. Yeah, I read that one some time ago. She also has one called The Dance of Intimacy. She might even have a third one. I know she wrote, I think, one more, too. But yeah, really influential and and helpful. Yeah, very smart woman. If you've never listened to an audiobook, take advantage of this Libro FM offer. Because as Emily said, you'll get three books for the cost of one month. And it's all it's $14.99. So it's a good deal and, and a way to get into it. And the interface is super easy to use. Yeah. And you know, we should also say that, you know, you get a credit for each month and you can still, you know, I still listen to books with the library app also. To me, it's just another way to listen to books, particularly the new releases that you don't want to stick around and wait for through the library system. Right. So it's a, and, and sometimes there are things exclusive just to these audiobook platforms as well. So give it a try. Libro.fm, yeah. promo code book cougars. Awesome. So what did I just read? I haven't finished an actual book since the last time we talked. As, as you mentioned, Emily, 
I've been starting books left and right, and uh, not a lot of them are sticking. The three that I mentioned in my currently reads are sticking. And the other thing I've been reading is some of the magazines that I get. So I've been a subscriber to Fine Books and Collections for quite a while now. It's a magazine about books and auctions and book-related art. It's so cool. It, they have fantastic articles and great photography. And as I, I've said on social media, even the ads are interesting, you know, because they're about book collections and different galleries and auctions coming up. So it's really cool. Fine books and collections. And it's so funny because when I get, I also get an email from them once a month and it comes as fine books and and I always think like, oh, it's from Emily. Because <laughs> Emily's last name is fine. And that's we talk right. about books. So that's <laughs> always fun to get that email. Um, so it's just really a cool magazine. And I have to say, it's a good way, you know, if you want to read, but you just can't get into a book, look for a magazine to pick up. And the good thing about having a physical magazine, I have to say, is that Unlike reading them online, I'm not tempted to move away mm -hmm. to look at other things, meaning the news, which I'm trying to really what regulate my news consumption and contain it. You know, it's a luxury to avoid the news. Mm -hmm. um, but I think we all have to find our level. Right. And, and I think you're right about consumption, because I do think it's important that we consume when we have the ability to think about things and handle what we're consuming. Right. You know. Exactly. Yeah. It's not going to help anyone if you just spiral. Right. You know, right. so anyway, that is, I'll get yeah. off my soapbox. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> but having that physical magazine has been really good because I could pick yeah. it up. I know I'm not going to get distracted. I could read an article and move on. Right. Yeah. Chris and I have both, um, you know, fessed up on the podcast that if we're not reading, we get kind of crabby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so that's been hard for me with these putting books, you know, t picking them up and putting them down as I just get kind of annoyed and frustrated and angry and have to read books about my anger. <laughs> Magazines are a really great way to jump in and out. And there's magazines like The New Yorker, too, that have short stories and things like that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think that's great. And sometimes in the past, I've been a little stressed out by having magazines, like subscriptions, because then I feel like, oh, I'm getting behind, right. you know. Yeah. But I'm trying to, you know, like just be one with my life and the piles of things I have to read around <laughs> myself. <so. laughs> right. Well, I also finished the book, The Lions of Fifth Avenue by Fiona Davis, our buddy. Yay! This book is out on August 4th. You can definitely pre-order it now. It has a beautiful cover. Fiona writes books that revolve around famous buildings in New York City. Yeah, she's and a New Yorker and she loves yeah. New York and it comes through so crystal clear in her writing. Yeah, because she's also a journalist. So she loves the research. You know, we've had her on the podcast a couple times now, and we're going to have her on again around pub date with, with this book. So stay tuned for that. But this book takes place at the, you know, main branch of the New York Public Library, which Chris and I have such an affinity for with the lions in the front, yes. you know, and there is in the middle of the library, an apartment 
that family used to live in that was kind of the caretaker of the library. Right, because back in the day, they had to keep things going. They had to keep the furnace going. And imagine that, especially if you're a kid, to grow up living inside the New York Public Library. I can totally imagine it. (laughs) (laughs) And this book is, it's fiction, you know, and it's historical fiction. And so what she does is goes back and forth in time to 1913 and 1993. And 1913 is, the story revolves around the family who's living in this apartment. And then 1993, it's a descendant of this family who now works in the public library. And it all revolves around books that have gone missing. So there's a little bit of a thread of a mystery in it as well. There were a few fun little, what do you call it, like um, memory hugs. I think that's what you call them. One of them is that there's a scene in the 1993 story arc where they're playing the board game Operation. Did you ever play that game? Oh, God, I love that game. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I loved that game. I thought it was hilarious. I was like, oh, God, it just brought me right back to being like hearing that buzz. uh, And feeling it. Yeah. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, it's a board game where it's like the shape of it's like a, a person who's on the operating table and there's holes in it that are surrounded by metal that have bones in them like little plastic a little bone. plastic bone right and you have to take this tweezer and try to remove the bone without touching the metal and if you touch the metal it goes uh, <laughs> and you have to drop the bone and, and his little stop. nose lights up <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i loved it so i don't want to really talk too much about it because i don't want to spoil it, it i did not see who was the person who was stealing the books coming mm. Um, she really did a good job with it and, um, I highly recommend you put it on request now or at your library or pre-order it. I'm, I'm not going to talk more about it because we're going to talk to the author about it in an upcoming episode. I can't wait to read that one. Yeah. And then I also finished the book of V by Anna Solomon. Boy, this is a complicated book. I, it was one of those books that I kind of feel this way about the Madeline Miller books that have to do with, you know, the Greek myths that all of you say, oh, just read it. You'll get it. You'll do fine. <laughs> well, this one is about the book of Esther and the story of Esther, who is famous in Jewish lore. She's the the person that's celebrated during the holiday of Purim because she was married off to a Persian king and helped you know, the end of the story is she helped to save her people, the Jewish people. There's a lot more to that story. And I'm not overly familiar with it. I have some familiarity with it, but more as just like, as the basis of this holiday. So the there's three different female characters. One is Esther herself. And who is important, it's important to note, she is the second wife of the king, she is the second queen and the first queen Vashti was banished slash killed Hmm. and so that's kind of the theme of this is womanhood motherhood second wives and things like that so then the other two characters are a woman who's in 1970s dc as a senator's wife and then a woman in current day who's in like park slope brooklyn as living the life of a classic and i'm using air quotes housewife raising two children and trying to come to terms with the death of her own mother and 
feminism and being a housewife. And so it's very smart. The book is very smart, very complicated. At some point you get this aha of how all the characters are kind of related and interwoven to each other and what Anna Solomon's trying to do with the book. But boy, I finished it and I thought, oh, I am not smart enough to understand <laughs> everything she was trying to do here. So, you are totally smart enough. You're totally smart enough. It's maybe just not your cup of tea. No, it's not that I didn't like it. I think it's one of those books that would be much better read with others, you know, as a book mm -hmm. club book or, you know, I went right away and read a couple book reviews. It is a book club book for, I want to say Good Morning America or something. It's So, you know, people are reading it and I think it has a lot of important things to say. It's just one of those, I think if you read it by yourself, you kind of feel like you just read it in a vacuum and there's a lot to talk about, but you don't really know... <laughs> what it is yeah you know? yeah um, and it might just be I need to digest it a little bit more and um our buddy Emily hosted Anna Solomon through um RJ Julia books and sadly you know I, I went and listened to that before much before I read the book now of course I wish I could hear the author speak again and I don't think it was recorded but I'll talk to Emily about it too, yeah sure she'll have some good insight for me excellent so again, that was called The Book of V by Anna Solomon. Biblio Adventures. I went on a real old-fashioned Biblio adventure. Oh, do tell. It was so exciting. On Saturday, I kind of took a day to myself and drove to Rhode Island, and I went to Savoy Bookshop and Cafe. We are, I should say, affiliates of, of Savoy Bookshop and Cafe. The link to our affiliate page is on our show notes. So go to that if you would like to help support the Cougs. I had a similar experience as you did at Bank Square Books, which you reported on, where you walk in the door and there's like some kind of like hall passes that you take. And that's how they know and you know that there's space in the bookstore for you to browse. And so I took one and I was looking specifically for two books which they didn't have. But then I found on Impulse Buy, which I had forgotten about, because Annie Philbrick talked to us about this book when we were speaking to her. She's the owner of Savoy Bookshop and Cafe. It's called Why We Swim by Bonnie Tsui. Bonnie is a journalist and an author and an avid swimmer. And it's a cultural and scientific exploration of humans' relationship to water. Oh, cool. And I am such a water person. So are you, I know. And so I'm really enjoying it. And um, I was taking myself to the beach. I was heading to Watch Hill to go sit on the beach. And I thought, well, this is the perfect book to read. Yeah. It's nonfiction, obviously. And I got a few chapters in. And the part that I got through was about kind of her historical perspective. It's split up into different sections. The first section is survival. So she talks about neanderthals and the stone age and what water and swimming meant back then wow and then she goes to well-being so kind of like water cures and the you know health benefits of water and then she goes to community competition and flow i'm really enjoying it i love it it was funny though because i i picked this book up and then i was kind of browsing and like you i was trying to be conscious of you know like well 
other people want to get in the store. I should think about finishing up. And just as I was thinking that, it, the bell of the door opened and there was this young family of four. And they said, oh, I'm sorry. The bookseller said, I'm sorry, we can't take all four of you right now. And and the, I heard the mom say, well, it's Susie's birthday. So, you know, she should be allowed to go in. So why doesn't one of us go in with Susie? And, you know, <laughs> while my heart pulled out completely, you know, like, Susie's getting in this bookstore for her birthday. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so I quickly paid and exited the building. So, you know, at least three of the four could go in. So, um, so that was my fun Biblio adventure to a real inside a real bookstore again, which was lovely. That's awesome. That's what about so cool. you? Well, I, I had a couple, one of them involved our Guilford free library, our local library. They started a curbside pickup. So I got to pick up a book. It was a sunny day and they had like three tables lined up outside in the back where the parking lot is and it was alphabetized. And, you know, silly me, I am, you know, like you, book, 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 brain all the time. I expected like a line or something. (laughs) (laughs) How silly, right? But I brought coffee like you were ready to have to sit in a traffic jam. (laughs) So I, you know, I drove in. I was like, no one there. No one at all. I parked and I went and I found my book. And, you know, I kind of looked at the other books that were there. And while I was sitting, I went back to my car and I was kind of looking through the book. And, you know, two people did come to get books. So there was a lot of, there was activity happening. But I just laughed at myself because I expected a line. So that was fun. And then I did do two online virtual book events. The first was... Irene Butter in conversation with Donna Apidone, and that was for CAP Radio Reads. And you can access this conversation if you're interested. We'll put the link in the show notes. Irene is the author of Shores Beyond Shores, From Holocaust to Hope, My True Story. And she is a Holocaust survivor. Her talk was really interesting. I enjoyed it immensely. And You know, one of the things she talked about, so she's probably in her 90s right now. And, you know, she talks about the issue of food insecurity Mm. and how that never goes away. So, you know, she was a young person, teenager-ish in the concentration camps. And to this day, she still travels with food because she always wants to have food available. That never goes away. But on uh, book-related things, the host asked her, you know, what what helps sustain you? And she actually said the Heidi books helped to sustain her. She said she thought a lot about, you know, what it would be like to ski on the mountains like Heidi did, and that gave her hope that one day she'd be able to do that. She had a couple different points of takeaways uh, to share with people. You know, one, that trauma does not have to define you. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you need to, to deal with it. An interesting thing is that she started speaking about Holocaust issues when one of her daughters was in school and used her as a report. And so she came to talk to school. And that got her started. I think she was in her 50s when, when she finally started talking about it. Because when she first came to America finally with family here. When she arrived here, her family said, never talk about what happened. Don't Mm -hmm. talk about it. And she didn't. 
And she said that one of the things she's found since she's been involved in Holocaust speaking and studies and talking with other survivors is that they've found that sometimes that survivors who go back to where the atrocity happened to them have a harder time, Mm. you know, which is so the opposite of some of the things I've heard about going back and witnessing where things happen because it can help give you closure and stuff. So I thought that was a really interesting point of knowledge there. Um, But some of the takeaways she has is to never be a bystander. Don't turn your back on a bully. Confront them. Refuse to be enemies. Be open to all people. And that each of us can make a difference. One of the things she is an advocate for is to commit to volunteering just four hours a, a month. Mm-hmm. That if you find something, you know, one hour a, a week to dedicate yourself to, that can be very helpful. And then um, she says miracles do happen, but don't count on them. Wow. I love that. Oh, so yeah. such a... Oh, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, it was a really great event. And I hope people will listen to that um, recording, that interview. Can I just say with the food insecurity thing... Um, you know, in philanthropy, that's something we're looking at a lot. And, you know, supporting local food, if you have the means, if you can buy local, if you can support your local farmers, it really is going to make a difference for the future. A lot of what's happening now is supply chain issues. You know, we saw that with toilet paper. People were like, you know, we're out of toilet paper. We're not out of toilet paper. It was a supply chain issue. A lot of toilet paper is made for commercial uses. And all of a sudden people weren't in schools and office buildings. They were at home and needed residential toilet paper. You know, food is very similar. There are supply chains in place for food. And if we can make them more local, then you have more of a guarantee of food security, but also supporting not just your own local area, but just local farming and regenerative farming in general is helpful. Yeah. My little plug for society. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> um, and then the other event that I attended was through Bank Square Books, our affiliate. And this was a conversation between Erica Ruth Newbar and Juliet Grames. Erica is the author of Murder at the Mena House, which I've read and really enjoyed and have given it now to a variety of people. And then Julia Grames is the author of, what is it? The, the Seven Deaths of Stella Fortunia. Right. Seven, no, is it the Seven or Eight Deaths is it the of seven Stella or, Yeah, Seven yeah. or Eight Deaths of, yeah. And you read that and enjoyed it. I did, yeah. yeah. And so, I like Juliet. She's great. Yeah, so their conversation was really fun. And just a couple things that I thought were great. So Erica, you know, the, the book Murder at the Mena House is kind of a cozy. It's set in Egypt, 1920s. Um, but she actually has a military background in in real life. Erica was in the military for like 12 years and she studied Korean and she was basically a spy. The work that she did was top secret. So she can't talk about what she did. Another cool thing is she just got her own PI license. Oh, cool. Isn't that cool? <laughs> so she's, and this is her first novel. She has three books already written. So there'll be more coming out. Um, but I just thought how cool that like she has a PI license and that's, she's like, well, I needed to get a job and do something. Yeah. And what am I qualified for? I mean, you know, <laughs> I know how to spy on people. <laughs> yeah. Where, where is she located? Do you she's know? She's in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 
Okay. Well, yeah. I guess we won't be calling her if we need something. <laughs> Maybe she'll travel. <laughs> yeah. So that was great. I don't know if it was recorded or not. Yeah. I need to start looking. Yeah. I guess there's some, you know, some bookstores have been recording events for years. And so this hasn't been much different for them. But I think some of the folks that have moved to virtual environments, I think you have to kind of get permission and things like that. So I'm not sure what's happening. I'll do some investigating with RJ's because I wanted to see if that Anna Solomon was recorded. I um, had two more adventures from home, Couch Biblio Adventures. I listened to two podcasts that I want to tell people about. One is one that I mentioned um, recently. Brene Brown, the author, has a new podcast called Unlocking Us. And she recently had a two-part conversation with Harriet Lerner, but that was about, she has books out about how to apologize. I am a big proponent of apologies. I have beat that into the head of both of my children (laughs) over the years, but apologies are tricky. You know, there are apologies and there are non-apology apologies, you know. And it's a two-part series and she and Brene, they do, um, what do you call that? Like they... Role play. Really interesting. I highly recommend it. I think I'm going to get when I had heard about Harriet Lerner's book about apologizing years ago, and I haven't purchased it, I need to do that. And then she also had the author Ibram X. Kendi on the the gentleman yeah. being anti racist. And it was a great interview. That's cool. And Ellen actually texted me about that. Oh, did she? Yeah. So I'm going to listen to that. Go, Aunt Ellen. Yeah, she's on it. (laughs) She is. She is definitely on it. Um, Yeah, and I just think, you know, the thing I love about Brene Brown is she is not afraid to have the difficult conversations, and she just keeps it real. And it reminded me of her book, which I don't remember the name of. That's terrible. Um, I'll put it in the show notes, but it's about having difficult conversations. And I feel like that's the other thing I'm trying to do right now is listen, learn, and then as you just said from that author, stand up to bullies, which can be really uncomfortable and really confusing and Mm -hmm. scary, but do it. We all need to start getting a little uncomfortable. Yeah. And you know what, to interrupt, if I may, um, one of the, I saw a cartoon that was going around, it was an educational cartoon about how to successfully stand up to bullies in a public setting. For example, like if you see somebody being bullied, say, well, it's not going to happen too much now in a train because not a lot of people are on trains these days, but that you, you go and start talking to the quote victim of Mm -hmm. the bullying. And so you kind of pull the focus that way by giving solidarity to the victim, you know, instead of trying to confront the bully who, who knows how explosive that person could be or what weapons they may have on them that you go to the person who's their target. That's a really good idea. Yeah. So I saw this terrible bullying situation the other day when I was out walking and I just, and it was kids like teenagers, you know, and that's what I should have done is gone to the young girl who I just felt like, just tell her like, she's okay. You know, Mm -hmm. you're okay. Don't let this person demean you. And, you know, but then it's tricky because I was like, was that her sister? And is this a family dynamic? You know, and, you know, that's, I start to intellectualize that I go into my head and I start thinking about it instead Mm -hmm. of just trying to kind of react to the situation. Right. Yeah. Or help. Sometimes you can just offer someone help, you know? Yeah. 
Or yeah. even just say a comment like, oh, my God, isn't it such a beautiful day? And that could kind of break the tension. Because b- between yeah. siblings and, you know, I mean, the, they say even for police, the most dangerous calls are domestic disputes. Domestic. So yeah. you do have to be very careful yeah. about that. And if there if there's anything, obviously, fearful, definitely call yeah. 911, yeah. I think, is the advice most people would give. Yes. Yeah. And that book, that Brene Brown book, by the way, is called Braving the Wilderness, The Quest for True Belonging and the Courage to Stand Alone. And that's the courage to stand alone part is a lot of what we're just talking about, that you do feel like you're stepping out and confronting something that, you know, like there may be a group of people around listening to this. And are you the one that's willing to stand up to it and Mm -hmm. say something and call it out as not being right, which happens a lot, I should say, around racism. There's a lot of times where we bear witness to something that we know isn't right. So think about it when you see it. And then the other um, podcast that I'm a huge fan of is called Terrible Thanks for Asking with Nora Borealis. Episode 129, she just turned over the mic, which I thought was really smart. And instead of her having her own podcast, they played something that a conversation with journalist Angela Davis on Minneapolis Public Radio about policing and racial trauma. Mm. And that's where I heard Resma speak. Um, the gentleman who I said, whose book I started, Resma Menekum, I couldn't think of his last name, my grandmother's hands. And it's a conversation between three people. And I thought it was just fantastic. Again, that was episode 129 of Terrible Things for Asking. Sounds powerful. I'll definitely check that out. Any upcoming jaunts, Chris? You know what? I have one on the books. It is going to be on June 25th at 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. This is through RJ Julia. It's Richie Jackson in conversation with Matthew Reimer and Lighton Brown. So Richie Jackson wrote the book Gay Like Me, A Father Writes to His Son. And this book, people are saying it's really about, it's a memoir, but it's also really exploring how straightness is so overpowering in our society. Mm. Straight lashing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, One of the reviews I read called it. And then the other two... I'm sorry, say that again, straight lashing? Yeah. I've never heard that. I haven't either. The other two gentlemen are the authors of We Are Everywhere, Protest, Power, and Pride in the History of Queer Liberation. So they'll be in conversation virtually. And again, that was June 25th, 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Times through RJ Julia. And we'll put the link in the show note, obviously, to, to all of these. How about you? I have one and it's today. So it will have happened by the time this podcast comes out. Um, it's an in real life biblio adventure with my co-host, Chris. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, we're going to the Guilford Public Library from, I think, three to six today. They're having, it's a like new book release fair, I yes. guess is the best way to say it, right? Yeah, so exciting. So they're going to have... All of the new items, new books and I guess audiobooks on CD, whatever has been new since they closed, I think they closed March 14th, they'll have it lined up on tables and people will be allowed to come in single file. You do have to wear a mask. They said they're going to have masks, gloves, 
They're going to ask you to sanitize your hands before you put the gloves on, I guess. And you can go through single file and look at all the new stuff and, you know, pick up things to check out. Yeah, so excited. And, you know, I'm just laughing because I'm thinking to myself, like, we're planning to meet there at three. And, you know, I'll probably show up a half an hour early (laughs) because of the crowds. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really excited. And for those of you who haven't checked out our um, YouTube channel, do so because we're going to video today. So by the time this podcast comes out on Tuesday, there will be a video up for you to watch about our our first time doing a biblio adventure together again. Yes. Super exciting. So excited. So yeah. in real lifetime. <laughs> I know. I mean, we're going to have to stand six feet apart, but I think we can handle it. Well, I think if we have our masks on, we can be. Oh, I didn't think we about can that. Be closer, okay. But yeah. we'll still try to do the six feet thing for sure. Yeah. I'm sure they're going to have us be, do the six foot thing in the library. Yeah. So yeah. I just we'll think be shouting to each other. Look at this. Look, Chris. <laughs> really want to support our local library too and doing this yeah well and I think it's so cool that they're starting to you know just kind of open up slowly and find ways that they can do it safely for everybody the librarians included so what's your upcoming read I have an upcoming read that is very special it is home before dark by Riley Sager it's kind of um it's an interesting sounding story it is about a woman who inherits a house that was haunted that her dad wrote this bestseller about so it's you know think like amityville horror right so she's the daughter and he's died and she goes back to the house to kind of like do a light renovation to get it ready for to sell so the story is about her experience in the house now as an adult interlace with chapters from her dad's book so it sounds like a cool haunted house novel it's my first book by this author and riley sager it says it's the pseudonym for an author who lives in princeton new jersey and my first thought was like this is joyce carol oates (laughs) (laughs) it's not um i googled it and it's a, a guy then this is i think his fourth book i believe and should i say where i got it sure it was the june book of the month pick for me yes and my upcoming read is a june book of the month pick as well and it's called the last flight by julie clark and this is it's more of a thriller which i am not apt to read but lately those have been really appealing to me And this is kind of one of those um, escape your life books where it's a woman who's married to a man who they seem to have everything and he seems like the perfect husband, but there's more to the story. And she has been planning for months how to vanish from her life, Hmm. which I have a lot of um, fascination with people who just start over. So the tagline on the book is two women, two flights, one last chance to disappear. And we are super excited to be talking about Book of the Month Club. Shall we talk about what it is? Yeah, absolutely. So Book of the Month Club is a club you can actually sign up for. Yeah, it's bookofthemonth.com. 
And what they do is every month, the very first day of the month, you get an email and there's five books you can choose from. And they really try to choose books that are in different genres. So this month, for example, June books are The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett, which is historical fiction, Home Before Dark, which Chris just talked about by Riley Sager, which is a mystery, A Burning by Mega Munjumdar, which is literary fiction, One to Watch by Kate Stamen London, which is a romance, and then The Last Flight by Julie Clark, the thriller I just talked about. And these books, you know, like The Last Flight isn't actually out until June 23rd. So if you sign up and are part of Book of the Month Club, you choose one of the five books. It's $14.99 a month. These books retail for usually around $30, I think. And you get the book in the mail. So you get it in the mail early. It comes in this cool blue box. It's like, you know, your book has arrived. (laughs) You hear the drums go off and the cymbals clang. One of the cool things about Book of the Month Club that I really like is that you also, like if a month comes and you either none of the books appeal to you or you are looking at the stack of books you haven't read, you don't have to do it that month. You can pause your subscription for a month or two months. Yeah, you can skip. You can also add. So you can say, oh, I want two of these five books. So you can definitely add, do add-ons as well. Yeah. It's so cool. I mean, and we should say this is an ad for Book of the Month Club. But as usual, we only talk about products and services that we ourselves believe in. Yeah. And this is our first time with an ad. We've, we've really held out. We want to just talk about things that we believe in, that we think will benefit our listeners, I think the really cool thing about Book of the Month is they not only do they have, you know, they do it across genre that we just talked about, but they also really try to have books written by authors of color and to really help us learn about different vantage points, books written from different vantage points. I love their tagline. Do you know their tagline, Chris? What is it? Treat your shelf to a book subscription. (laughs) (laughs) I always love a good play on words. That's so cool. <laughs> and, you know, we should say, like, they have judges for different categories that choose these mm-hmm. books. So you really feel like the ones that they're offering for each month in these different categories have been vetted. Yeah. You know, it's not just, well. it's just not publishers throwing money and saying, this is the book you need to promote this month. They're actually vetted by uh, people who are really well versed in the genre or subject yeah. category. Yeah. Very true. So if you sign up using the promo code book cougars, it's just $9.99 for your first month. And then every month thereafter, it's $14.99. As we said, you can skip a month, though. So don't feel like you're signing up and forever. And the other thing is, it's easy to cancel if you decide it's not working for you. I don't like those subscription services where you have to like give them your firstborn child to figure out how to not not get charged anymore right so. yeah so it's bookofthemonth.com promo code book cougars you'll get your first book for 9.99 we can't wait to see if people sign up and if you do please let us know what books you choose what we want to know we totally want to know so take a picture of your book and and with you if you're comfortable doing a a book selfie and tag us book cougars on your social media. That'd be awesome. We also want to know if you're already a book of the month club subscriber. I know that we have listeners that are because I see them with their books. Cause when you get the book, it has a little, you know, we're going to take a picture of ourselves with ours. It has a little book of the month club logo up in the corner. So it's also a different copy than you would get 
if you go to the bookstore and pick it up. You get them early and you get it with a little logo. Yeah, and on the back it has, again, the book, the book of the month logo and then what month and year. So you know that you this was a June 2002, 2020. Wow, Chris <laughs> just went back 18 years. I did, wow. <laughs> I wonder what you were reading 18 years ago. In 2020? Oh, no, what did I say, 2002? 2002. <laughs> God, I don't know. I was reading a lot of mystery. I think that's when I first really started going to town on mysteries. I think okay. it was around then. Well, I don't know. Anyway. There was a, you know, speaking of mysteries, I have to, oh, I wish I looked it up before we started talking, but there was a mystery I read some years ago about uh, the protagonist investigator was a, a book scout. You know, back in the day, you, they books, you know, rare antiquarian book dealers and they, who knows, they probably still do this, would have book scouts that would go out looking for books and also assessing collections and things like that. And there's this one mystery where the guy is set to uh, sent to assess this guy's collection of book of the month books. Like he had them all since the book of the month started, you know, and it was either he got killed and then they realized it had something to do with this collection. It's so hazy right now. And I'll have to look it up and um, maybe just cut this and use it next time. No, it's cool. Well, I was going to say in the Lions of Fifth Avenue, the Fiona Davis book, antiquarian booksellers play a very small part in the story. Yeah. They're a certain breed. I mean, to really understand like the importance of, I mean, even like old atlases and things like that. And, you know, um, there, there's a lot of different older books that have a lot of meaning or that, you know, like diaries of famous authors and the last time they put pen to paper, you know, and yeah, things like that. So, yeah. So cool. Well, we hope that you sign up for Book of the Month Club. Absolutely. Check it out. Another episode comes to a close. We wish you guys the next couple of weeks lots of happy reading. Thanks for listening to The Book Cougars with Chris Wallach and Emily Fine. We'll be back with another episode in two weeks. Until then, come chat with us on social media or on our Goodreads group. And if you'd like to contact us directly, email us at bookcougars at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone. Re-